Welcome to Hoosier Ag This Week, as we bring you the top news stories impacting Indiana's farmers and the state's ag industry. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. It's also our final show of 2023, as we take a look back on a few of the big stories for the ag industry this past year. We'll also spotlight several new Indiana-based ag companies that we previewed throughout 2023 that you'll likely be hearing a lot more about in the years to come. You'll also hear from Brian Basting with Advanced Trading as he reviews the grain markets. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin has your chilly New Year's Eve and New Year's Day forecast on the way. And you'll hear all about the National No-Tillage Conference that's coming to downtown Indianapolis here in about a week and a half. But first, let's talk about January 1st. Monday is when California's Proposition 12 takes effect, which brings about a lot of uncertainty for pork producers and the pork industry. I don't know that there is a lot to be done with regards to Prop 12. The fact that it takes effect on January 1 leaves so many people asking questions and very little to actually do to prepare for it. And that's Burt Nelson, economist with American Farm Bureau. He says Prop 12 becomes California state law during a time of already great uncertainty in the pork market. We've got some bearish fundamentals. We just had the USDA's quarterly hogs and pigs report released. We found out that we still got quite a few hogs in the inventory. The breeding inventory was up 3% from this time last year. So what this means is we have more hogs in the market than we have demand. Nelson says that California's Prop 12 is about to throw yet another wrench into the market. California possesses about 13% of the demand for U.S. pork. And when Prop 12 goes into effect, we lose that 13% demand from the conventional marketplace. Now that we're facing a decreased inventory in the beef market, that leaves us asking, when will consumer demand start to pick up? for pork products, or will they, as pork is a very close substitute to our beef prices. He adds there's still a lot of uncertainty about how the market will adjust in early 2024. When this takes place, the only pork that will be allowed for sale in that California market will have to be compliant with Prop 12. So that automatically removes many of our conventional producers from that marketplace. And so until we see some increased demand domestically and continued demand in our export markets, we are going to be at the mercy of whatever comes into play here. Read more at HoosierAgToday.com and on the new Hoosier Ag Today mobile app, a free download for iPhone and Android. Also in the new year, Congress will have about eight legislative days when lawmakers return in January to pass trillions in spending to avoid shutting down the USDA and a handful of other agencies. Eric Pfeiffer has more. It all comes down to interpreting a deal. The one ousted House Speaker Kevin McCarthy made with President Biden last spring that formalized a top-line spending figure but had a handshake side deal for billions to soften cuts. New Speaker Mike Johnson says he wasn't part of that handshake deal and will only abide by the formal figure written into the Fiscal Responsibility Act. We're all hands on deck on the appropriations bills. As we know, we have looming deadlines, and, and we all agreed on that. But what we also agreed to was what's written in the law, and that's the FRA numbers on top line. Without a full agreement, funding runs out on January 19th for USDA, its food agencies, transportation, housing and urban development, and veterans programs, followed on February 2nd by state, defense, commerce, labor, HHS, and others. But Senate Appropriations Chair Democrat Patty Murray lays the blame for any shutdown 
on Republicans. Three months into this current fiscal year, House Republicans want to pull the rug out from the rest of us and go back on their word and the deal that they cut. But Murray's reference to the deal includes the tens of billions in the Biden-McCarthy informal side agreement Johnson rejected. The Speaker also refuses to do more short-term spending extensions and threatens to trigger automatic across-the-board cuts without agreement on individual agency spending bills by April 30th. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Thank you, Eric. Well, looking back now at 2023, Sabrina Halverson joins us now to review some of the biggest issues impacting the ag industry during this past year. Director of Government and Public Affairs with the Ag Business Advisory Company, Pinion, Brian Keel says issue number one is trade. We all know trade is important for America's farmers. 20% of U.S. farm revenue comes from exports. So anytime you're talking about ag policy in the United States, trade has to be one of those topics. And he starts with the good news. We had record exports to China. Uh, We exported last year roughly $40 billion worth of uh, ag trade. About 19% of our total went to China. So we sold them a lot of soybeans. We sold them a lot of other products. And that really helps bolster the ag economy in the United States and keep rural communities afloat. But as with most things, it's not all good news. I think the bad news is we've not really seen sufficient support from Congress or the Biden administration to divert diversify our export base. You know, it's good that we're selling that much product to China, but I think we're all a little nervous that if China goes and invades Taiwan or if we have another trade war with China, we're really relying on them, 20% of our exports. So we'd like to diversify where we send food and ag products. He says to do that, we'd need to open up other markets. And we really, as a country, have been behind the ball on that. So 2023, I think we'd get poor marks in terms of uh, really expanding ag trade. However, there were some trade successes. One thing the Biden administration did that was great and that we support, they announced a $1.3 billion regional ag promotion program paid for out of the Commodity Credit Corporation. So they've proposed this big market development effort. We think that's fantastic and certainly can help bolster the ag economy. Though he supports the program, Keel says more work is still needed. We also need to open new markets with trade agreements, with tariff reductions, really working government to government, and, and we need to see that kind of activity stepped up in 2024. Read more at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm Sabrina Halverson. Thank you, Sabrina. It's time now for Hoosier Ag Today's Farm Market Review. And for that, we check in now with Andy Eubank. CJ, thank you very much. We ended Friday with a sell-off, and that's the down note with which we end 2023. Settlements coming up. First, market analysis. I grabbed that on Friday from Brian Basting at Advanced Trading. Brian, as we close out the final day of trade for 2023, a bit of a negative tone, even when you look at crude oil and the equity markets, some other commodities as well. But certainly soybeans and wheat down, corn as it has been, seems to be caught right in the middle and trading around even as we close out the year. So some negativity in this final week of trade. There's some indications, Andy, that the South American weather, specifically Brazil, is changing as we begin the, the new year here. Um, it's been quite dry. In fact, in some of those northern states of Brazil, it's the driest October, November, December time period since 1979. But interestingly enough, uh, with a lot of rain forecast. The next two weeks now, some are saying that it could be one of the wettest starts to January in many years. So 
that's how quickly things can change. And I just remind your listeners that in markets right now, uh, in the absence of additional information, are trading on, on South American weather very closely. Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on here as we move forward into 2024. Uh, first stages here, of course, the big news, Andy, report-wise, will be on January 12th when the USDA gives us a flurry of reports, final crop size for 23, grain stocks on December 1, a supply demand update, and finally a first estimate of winter wheat seedings for 24. So but between now and then, I think weather, for, for, for wheat, it's kind of back and forth. Of course, tensions continue to be high in the Black Sea. That supports the market, but a lack of demand is, is keeping a cap on, on prices otherwise. And uh, for corn, it's just a grind, a grind lower for the time being. Brian Basting Advanced Trading, the number there, 309-664-2314. Here's how we ended the year, down three cents on March corn, 471 and a quarter. May, 484, down two and a half. July, 494, a two-cent loss. December contract, 503 and a half, down a penny and a quarter. January soybeans, 1293 and a half, 11 and three quarters lower. March, 1298, down 14 cents. And November, 24, 1245 and three quarters, 13 cents down. March wheat, 628, that was a three and a half cent loss. The meats, mostly lower too. February live cattle, 168.50, 42 cents down. February lean hogs, 67.97, down 47. C.J. Miller will be back with much more on the weekend show. Also, Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin. I'm Andy Eubank. This is Hoosier Ag This Week. For many of you here in Indiana, agriculture is your life's work and legacy. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. Throughout my career, I've been immersed in Indiana agriculture and appreciate the role that ACI plays on behalf of Indiana agribusinesses. ACI is the proactive voice for agribusiness, and we invite you to join us in our mission. Visit our website, inagribiz.org, to get your membership started today. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. We've got an interesting holiday weekend ahead of us here. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Weekend Weather Outlook. New Year's getting rung in overnight Sunday night through Monday, and we're having a New Year's Eve Eve here today. We're going to see a wealth of different kinds of weather over the course of this holiday weekend. Here today, we're dealing with a mix of clouds and sunshine. Not a bad setup when you get right down to it. After the gray skies of the past couple of days, your Saturday looking pretty good. Temperatures are cool, but not cold. Not as warm as we were earlier in the week. Let's get that straight. We've got a reinforcing shot of cold air advancing over the northern plains and the upper Midwest here this afternoon and tonight. The coldest core coming across Minnesota and into Wisconsin. Clouds will be in here with that for us as we move through the day tomorrow. And I won't rule out a little bit of precipitation. However, it looks relatively minor. We're talking liquid equivalents of a few hundreds to a tenth or two and i think the biggest thing that we may see is north and northwest winds causing some lake enhancement of cloud cover and precipitation particularly in the overnight period tomorrow night into early monday morning so that's right out around the new year's time frame uh, midnight to three four five a.m yep we may have to deal with a few sloppy wet snowflakes or even a bit of drizzle now the coldest core of the year again off to the northwest and i think it kind of diminishes in intensity as we move into monday morning so new year's day itself probably starts with cloud cover 
and maybe a little bit of lake effect or lake enhancement for Monday morning. But by the time we get to midday, we'll start to see clouds give way to sunshine, and it's a pretty decent finish to the holiday itself. Chilly, but sunshine trying to break through. Temperatures moderate a little bit on Tuesday. However, we have another round of cooler Canadian air trying to pool in the prairie as it breaks loose to the southeast a Tuesday night. I think that really tries to work its way down into our neck of the woods for Wednesday. That's going to be the third. Not brutally cold again, but cooler. And I think we'll then see on again, off again cloud cover through the rest of the week. Big surge of clouds coming with some lake effect through Wisconsin and Michigan on Thursday. Northern Tier counties probably see more clouds than southern Indiana for Thursday, but I'll allow clouds anywhere. Better sunshine potential for Friday, and then clouds are back Saturday as cold air continues to dive into the Great Lakes. It doesn't really spread much farther west and south, so I think we're on the cusp of some colder air for the finish of next week, the 5th, the 6th, and 7th, but it's not, again, anything Arctic-related or anything like that. At best, we're probably back closer to normal, maybe a few degrees below, and temperatures will moderate then on through the rest of the weekend and into the week of the 8th. Big weather system building out to the west. We'll see whether that makes it here by midweek, the week of the 8th. I'm Ryan Martin. Farmers, the Fort Wayne Farm Show celebrates 34 great years at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum, January 17th, 18th, and 19th. This huge three-day event features the area's largest variety of farm equipment and services, educational seminars presented daily. Register to win the grand prize, a Toro My Ride Zero Turn Lawnmower, courtesy of Plevna Implement. Admission is free. Make plans to attend the Fort Wayne Farm Show Tuesday through Thursday, January 16, 17, and 18 at the Memorial Coliseum. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today as we look back at some of the top newsmakers of 2023. And during the year, I had the chance to speak with several entrepreneurs who all took that next big step in starting and growing their own ag companies. One of whom is a Purdue Ag graduate who made big news this past year by developing some exciting and colorful new technology for corn producers. From my perspective, I said, hey, we got to be able to listen from the plant's perspective. We got to give them the tools to tell us what they need. And that's Kyle Moeller, the founder and CEO of Insignum AgTech, which is based in Hamilton County. His company has developed a way that the corn plant will turn purple to let you know there may be early signs of fungal pressure. It fits very well into this concept around precision agriculture and around trying to use different pieces of tools to detect uh, crop disease. I mean, it's a really tough problem to solve. Moeller says this new way of watching for fungi can work even before the plant begins showing symptoms. And it's really simple and straightforward to tell. Right? It's not an expensive camera that you got to buy. It's not an algorithm that makes predictions. It's real and true, and you can see it with your own eyes because your plants are telling you um, they're turning color to signal that early infection. Back in November, the USDA gave the green light to run trials on those corn plants developed by Insignum AgTech. Whether that's in, in test plots or in breeding uh, stations, those kinds of things. And so we're, we're really happy that, that the USDA saw that our technology is safe and, and just like a normal breeding process. Moeller says his company has been working with Bex Hybrids this year to test out these new corn traits. He also says he plans to expand this new technology into other crops like soybeans and canola, and the company will also develop additional plant traits that use other natural pigments like red or blue 
to give an early indication of other yield-limiting factors, such as insect pests or fertility loss. Ultimately, Moeller says he wants to give producers another way of staying ahead of damaging diseases. When I started to talk to farmers really early about this concept, they said, look, my, my question is not which disease I have, it's do I need to spray or not? We designed this technology so that it reacts to every single fungal disease and specifically only the fungal diseases. In addition to Insignum AgTech, we also featured another newly formed company based in Indiana called AgroRenew, that plans to create a new product that's incredibly unique. So we're taking watermelon waste and reducing it down into a micron dust and blending it with some other biosources to form a resin polymer that can then be used to make various types of plastics. And that's Brian Southern, who co-founded AgroRenew with his wife, Katie. The uniqueness about this is that this plastic is 100% biodegradable. Everything gets decomposed and goes back into the soil, including replacing nutrients in the soil. So very unique from that perspective. Brian talks about how the idea was created to convert watermelon waste into bioplastics. We were talking with various farmers in the Knox County community who are, is the number one producer of watermelons in the state of Indiana and number two in the country. And we're talking to them about the amount of food waste they have every year and the crops that they don't sell or they don't pass their quality. And the number is just staggering. It's you know approximately 100 million pounds a year. And we're like, there's got to be something better we can do with that. And so we started to research uh, my wife, Katie, who's a food scientist, and myself, who is a processing engineer, looking at what are some other ways that we could utilize this biosource. And that's when Brian and Katie decided to pool together their knowledge and expertise of food science and plastics to develop the new product. We kind of started to experiment and was able to determine that, yes, we could use portions of the chemical properties of a watermelon to create a resin polymer that is 100% biodegradable. Construction plans are already in the works for AgroRenew's brand new facility that's being built just south of Vincennes. We should have most of that completed by the end of this year with a target of sometime in March breaking ground. Um, And then they're estimating about a 10-month build-out for the plant. Another brand new company based right here in Indiana that we featured in 2023 was Ag Accelerators. They plan to develop new chemical and biological products through ag-based scientific research. Mark Zettler is the president, CEO, and co-founder of Ag Accelerators, and he told me back in October how his new company was created. So the last four years, I've been consulting with uh, startup companies in the ag space, both on the biologic side and on the chemical side. And uh, there's a a common denominator amongst most of the startups that I've been dealing with, and that is transforming their discoveries, these new active ingredients or biostimulants or biofertilizers into commercially viable formulated products. Uh, So there's a big hurdle between showing activity in the laboratory environment and, and demonstrating activity in the field and then going from there and commercializing. And that's where he says Ag Accelerators steps in. Running into this common denominator for a few years, I'd start talking to uh, colleagues that I work with at, uh, at Dow AgriSciences and said, you know what, guys, I think if we formed a company, we could probably get this off the ground and really help a lot of startups. So there are several of us that went together and said, 
let's do this. And we started uh, Ag Accelerators in May. Zettler says that Ag Accelerators will help get the research from the lab to the farm and make sure that process for everyone involved is as easy as possible. But we know how important it is to get into a grower's hands. It needs to be easy to use, simple, cost-effective. And anything that we touch, we're thinking about that already. So I'm hoping that the growers will appreciate when they see Ag Accelerators as as we've touched it, it's going to be easy to use and it's going to work uh, like they want them to work. Ag Accelerators is setting up their first lab and research facility at the Purdue Technology Center. Zettler says Indiana was the best location for starting the new company. Purdue University is one of the very top ag schools in the country and being able to locate Ag Accelerators, you know, on their campus and tap into all the different resources that they have available there for us, it's just an incredible opportunity. Zettler says the company already has big plans for the future. Looking at how can Ag Accelerators create our own product line, our own products that would go into crop protection agents or biostimulant agents, whatever. So we're also looking at it from that angle. So not just from a service model, but also things that we see that are important needs in creating new formulated products. We want to be able to develop those products on our own as well. You can hear much more from Kyle Moeller with Insignum Ag Tech, Brian Southern with Agro Renew, and Mark Zettler with Ag Accelerators at HoosierAgToday.com and on the new Hoosier Ag Today mobile app, a free download for iPhone and Android. Coming up, you'll hear more about a big farm convention that's coming to downtown Indianapolis here in about a week and a half. That's on the way next. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. Thank you so much for joining us here this final week in the 2023. This is Hoosier Ag This Week. What are you doing, New Year's, New Staying informed of the markets, the weather, and world events has always been important to those of us in agriculture. Today, staying informed is critical, but now it's easier than ever. The Hoosier Ag Today mobile app puts up-to-the-minute information in the palm of your hand 24 hours a day. Download the free Hoosier Ag Today app for your mobile device at the Apple Store, Google Play, or at HoosierAgToday.com. Thank you again for joining us this weekend here on Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today, and tis the season for conferences and conventions for the ag community. And if you live in central Indiana, well, this one's right in your backyard. If you live in northern or southern Indiana, this event is a very easy driving distance from where you are. It's the 32nd Annual National No-Tillage Conference, January 9th through the 12th at the Marriott in downtown Indianapolis. Michaela Paulkner joins us now. And Michaela, tell us all about this big conference that's coming up. What we're doing is we're starting off the conference on Tuesday, January 9th with a pre-conference on-farm workshop. So that's going to be with no-till innovator Mike Starkey. So he's going to be talking about um, his water quality monitoring project that's in place on his farm. That's a separate registration for anyone who's interested. And we do have limited seats left. So that's something you want to add on to your conference experience. Definitely sign up soon. 
Um, so then the conference at the hotel officially starts on Wednesday, January 10th, and it goes through Friday. Uh, what we do, we set it up kind of like a, a mix of different types of learning experiences. So we have a good number of general sessions where everyone is all in the same room learning together from these uh, top tier presenters and no-till farmers and experts. And then we kind of go into a choose your own adventure type format where we have a number of different classroom sessions where people can pick whichever one is most applicable to either their operation or something they're just interested in learning more about. And then we also offer round tables every day. Um, you can, again, choose whatever topic is most appealing to you or what you want to learn more about and just talk out your problems with your fellow farmers. Those are some of the most popular sessions that we have is just that opportunity to kind of troubleshoot your very specific issue, getting insight from your other fellow farmers. Um, so then throughout the conference, uh, we kind of repeat that format with the general sessions, the classrooms and the round tables. And then we have some meals together and lots of networking time because we know people love to come and just kind of talk with each other and learn from people from all around the country and around the world about uh, what is working for them on their no-till operations. My guest is Michaela Paulkner as we talk about the upcoming 32nd annual National No-Tillage Conference, once again, January 9th through the 12th at the Marriott in downtown Indianapolis. And Michaela, a lot of Hoosier farmers already have a no-till operation, but if you're a farmer and have thought about some different practices, then it might make sense to attend the National No-Tillage Conference just to see what it's all about and perhaps learn some of those new practices for your farm. Yeah, definitely. And I think that a lot of the people who are attending and obviously the people who are speaking are very experienced with no-till. So this is the place where you can go to find ideas. Okay, I've been no-tilling for 20 years now. What is the next step for me? And this is the place where you're going to find those people like Rick Clark, for example, another Indiana native. Um, he'll be there talking about how he's making organic no-till work, which I know I've heard referred to as the Holy Grail. So if that's something that you're interested in seeing, like how might I start to even implement a few of the things to kind of move me away from some synthetic inputs. Um, Rick Clark will be there to learn from. We're doing a lot of panels too, where these highly experienced no-tillers will be able, will be up on stage. Just the whole premise of it is to answer people's questions in the audience. So you're going to have that uh, long time no-till knowledge at your fingertips uh, available to answer your questions. So if there's something you've been struggling with or thinking about changing or just curious about, uh, this is the place to come and get those questions answered and talk through some of your ideas. What's the website that folks can find more information? Yeah, so if you head to notillconference.com, you can see all the details about the conference and the speakers and download our full agenda. And then I also wanted to mention that your radio listeners, everybody can save $100 off the registration with code RADIO, but be sure to register by December 31st. Um, so if you register by December 31st using code RADIO, you can save $100 off your registration. Once again, the National No-Tillage Conference, January 9th through 12th at the Marriott in downtown Indianapolis. You can also find more information at our website, 
at HoosierAgToday.com. And Michaela Pauchner, thank you so much for joining us here today here on Hoosier Ag Today. Yes, thanks for having me and hope to see everyone at the National No Tillage Conference. And that does it for this week's edition of Hoosier Ag This Week. Check out the podcast version of today's show at HoosierAgToday.com. Also download the new Hoosier Ag Today mobile app. It's a free download for iPhone and Android. On behalf of all of us here at Hoosier Ag Today, we wish you a very happy new year and wish you all the best for a joyful and prosperous 2024. For Andy Eubank, Eric Pfeiffer, Sabrina Halverson, and our Hoosier Ag Today chief meteorologist, Ryan Martin, I'm C.J. Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Radio Network. Music.